Now it's as good as it was when it was baked, and you serve it with some uh, chocolate sauce and some raspberries and a scoop of ice cream. And so when the person cuts into the brownie, this little chocolate ganache discs are all ooey-gooey. <laughs> oh, my God, it was so good. The Culinary Libertarian Podcast, Episode 23. Welcome to the Culinary Libertarian Podcast, where the philosophy is free, but the food is on you. Hello folks, Dan Reed here, the Culinary Libertarian. Happy to have you back, happy to be here. Thanks for listening to the show. A few details. First, visit my podcasts page on the blog at culinarylibertarian.com slash podcasts. And there you can follow me on all of my social media icons. Uh, Also on the Facebook, you can join my Eating Liberty group. Uh, If you like this podcast, I would appreciate your support through either PayPal Bitcoin, or Patreon, also located on the same podcasts page. Also, if you would, head on out to your favorite podcatcher and find, like, and rate the show and leave a positive review. The more reviews the show gets, the more it moves up in the rankings and the more people can find it. The more people who can find it are the more people who get cooking. Every week... The craziness of the election cycle increases. Each person is out-promising even more than the previous person. <laughs> it's, it's, it's highly entertaining and actually quite idiotic. The baseless claims of this or that are enough to make anyone scream. Find sanity in politics, economics, and history with my affiliate link to Tom Wood's Liberty Classroom. Listen to short 30-minute presentations on constitutional history, economics, Western civilization, and U.S. history from highly acclaimed professors such as Kevin Gutzman, Brian McClanahan, Gerard Casey, Brad Berzer, Bob Murphy, and more. Bring the professor to you on your time frame at your leisure bite back against the education they failed to give you with my link to Liberty Classroom, culinarylibertarian.com slash bite back. That's culinarylibertarian.com slash bite back. Hello, folks. Today it's a onesie. I'm a solo mio. Sorry about that. It's really bad. That's why I bake. Today we're at the baking bench and we're going to talk about Brownies. Brownies are kind of a a hybrid of muffins. The liquid is melted and the flour is mixed into that, different than the wet onto the dry method, like for muffins. I find less regimentation or less uh, strictness to the procedure for brownies. The definition from the 1880s is a description of their appearance. They were brown and free of chocolate. The first recipe was printed in the Boston Cooking School cookbook and contained no chocolate. The recipe did contain butter, powdered sugar, molasses, bread flour, chopped pecans, 
and eggs. I'm a big fan of molasses and I love a shoe fly pie. I do plan to make the molasses version of the brownies, but I'm not really sure how everyone in the family is going to like them. My mom's dad, my grandpa, who was a streetcar conductor in Detroit uh, until they took the cars away, uh, loved molasses sandwiches. And one of the family myths, which has been verified by a few, is when he, when he was driving his car, you know, you want the passengers to go to the back of the bus. Well, Ed, to help facilitate the passengers going to the back of the bus, uh, ate Limburger cheese and onion sandwiches for lunch. Now, I loved molasses sandwiches and in all of my years on the planet have not managed to bring myself to try a Limburger cheese and onion sandwich. I, I have the same issue everybody else does. It stinks. So, uh, maybe one day, just not today. Molasses, uh, to me, has um, a bitterness, which is sort of maybe ironic because it comes from sugar, but I like bitter flavors. I like the taste of bitterness, and uh, I've discovered when uh, I was a, a wine-tasting chap uh, at a vineyard in New Jersey, some of the wines finished, to me, pleasantly with a, a bitter note, and I discovered that not everybody can taste bitter which isn't really all much, it's not that much of a surprise, but it was an interesting observation. Uh, molasses, molasses sandwiches, and I used to make them as a kid, probably mostly just to irritate my mother. All right, so brownies. What is it? Well, it's brown. We know that much. We can see it by looking at it. But from a mixing standpoint, so biscuits have a procedure. Muffins have a procedure. What is the brownie procedure? Well, if we look at the brownie recipe that I use, it's kind of a muffin, but backwards. Uh, muffins, the dry goes on top of the wet, and you fold that together just enough, and then you're done. Brownies is the other way around. The wet is going to go on top of the dry, Fold that together just until you're done and, and you know, pan and bake. What is really pretty different from brownies and muffins, aside from that, is brownies don't really have a category of procedure. The outcome is the thing that determines whether or not it's a brownie. So uh, clearly they're not a cake, even though they're cakey. So how do we... How do, we, how do we get here? Uh, a fudgy cake could be called a brownie, and no one really would argue that. But let's see if we can narrow this down. To find something close to a definition, I consulted the American Encyclopedia of Food and Drink and read, in part, quote, a rich chocolate cake cut into squares and eaten as a dessert or snack. The name comes from the deep brown color of the confection, and it has been an American favorite since the 19th century, end quote. It does go on to mention 
the molasses version in the Boston Cooking School cookbook. So rich and cake-like, but we have a problem. Brownies are so loved and so polarizing that we have two camps here, cake-like and fudge-like. But wait, there's more. Crispy edges or no crispy edges. Glossy and brittle top or dull and matte top. Garnish of nuts and chocolate bits inside or just plain. Frosted or not. I looked in many of my cookbooks and found brownies underrepresented. When they were mentioned, each had the best ever. And in some cases, the recipes read brilliantly. Notables such as Julia Child and James Beard have brownies, which everyone would agree are delicious, unless everyone prefers cakey. Both of those recipes made a very dense, fudgy brownie. Now, I like a fudgy kind of brownie, but I don't want the fudge to be so sticky it's like tree sap. I want some texture there, but I don't, I don't want goo. So when, when I was at the Governor's Club, we came up with a rather clever solution to the gooey center and a well-baked brownie. We added a bit of cooled ganache to the center of each little brownie. Now, since we were serving brownies a la carte, it was important that presentation was, was clean and crisp. So to that end, we made brownies in a little... Oh, four inch or so Teflon pan that actually was used to make uh, Anna potatoes. Well, we repurposed those, and I'll have a link for those pans on today's show notes page, culinarylibertarian.com slash 23. So I had these little Teflon pans, butter the inside, uh, put half or so of the brownie filling in, in the pan, and then the ganache, which was cooled inside of one-inch round and two-inch lengths PVC pipe. So visualize just this little small section of, of, of white plastic pipe. Uh, the ganache is poured inside, and the tube is standing up on its cut end. And so we put them on uh, a, a half-sheet pan lined with parchment paper, filled all these little tubes up to the top, and put that in the refrigerator. And overnight, the, the chocolate's going to harden, and you slide the little uh, bar of ganache out of the uh, PVC pipe, and then just cut little discs, about eighth inch wide or so. And inside of each of these little pans of brownie, we would put two of these chocolate ganache discs, and then cover them with a little bit more of the brownie batter, and then bake them. Uh, so here's the beauty of all this is when you you know bake goods, you know, they, they don't they don't like to age, they don't get better. But when you have a commercial kitchen and an oven, uh, you take this this little piece of brownie, put it in the in the oven in the pan, so that the uh, conductivity makes the inside all warm and gooey. Now it's as good as it was when it was baked, and you serve it with some uh, chocolate sauce and some raspberries and a scoop of ice cream. And so when the person cuts into the brownie, this little chocolate ganache discs are all ooey gooey. 
<laughs> oh my god, it was so good. Oh, it was it was just genius. So the brownie batter alone was really good, but this was just one of those things that I don't even remember how we got there, but it was well, it was inspired. So I used that brownie recipe has been my go-to brownie recipe for 20 years, and I still have those pans. I quite honestly, I don't bother with the ganache at home because it's just the step I'm not interested in doing. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to make really great chocolate sauce and put that on the plate with a brownie. My daughter had asked you know, some other day uh, if we could bake brownies. And so, yeah, absolutely, we can do this. So the whole brownie baking experience with her and the procedure, noticing, hey, you know, these look a lot like muffins. This was kind of the genesis of this episode. Brownies are like muffins, but backwards a little bit. Basic procedure, without quantities, melt the butter and the chocolate, add the sugar and the eggs, and then fold that, uh, fold the flour into that. Then pan and bake, as would be expected, uh, with a confection lacking some specifics. I found, as Captain Smeck from home would say, many, many variations. I read a blog post uh, which the author was looking for some certainty that every batch would have that crumbly, shiny top. So it was a very long post, and by the time I got to the end, the conclusion seems to me to be there's no guarantee that this is going to happen. But she had uh, she, she had a very bizarre procedure that, uh, and I've not even read it three times and don't really get it. Um, so with your brownie batter, add some chocolate chips on top, get out the hairdryer, melt the chocolate chips on top of the hairdryer, um, spread the melted chocolate chips with the spatula, stand on your left foot, put them in the oven, and howl at the moon, and maybe you'll get what you want. Well... Thank you, no. Julia's recipe added an extra step or two, which included a stand mixer, and I just don't want to do that. Uh, restaurant baking is not home baking, and I don't think that it should be. Restaurants and bakeries can do things with their equipment and their time and their space to make really amazing products and I just don't see a reason to do that at home, even if you can. Now, if you want to, you know, who am I to say no? But these these steps these steps are a challenge. They're time-consuming, and these are some of the reasons that people will say I can't bake, and they throw their hands up in frustration. Given those high bar standards of professional kitchens, I get it. That makes perfect sense. So. Let's make this easy. Brownies are supposed to be easy. The recipe I use will be linked to the show notes page, culinarylibertarian.com slash 23, as a PDF, and you can download it. I will say that I have never baked this recipe in a single pan. Now, most of the brownie recipes I read um, use an 8x8 or a 9x9 pan, and I see no reason why that wouldn't work. Uh, I have always used and still do use those small molds so that I get an individual size, which also makes very easy portioning for two children 
who want a dessert and don't really need a whole brownie for dessert. So half a brownie is plenty. Baking pan medium is uh, probably an entire other episode, but for here, I don't use glass, ever. I have tried, and I have failed every single time. Failing, at least in my experience, is that the food sticks. Pie sticks, quiche sticks, brownies stick, cake sticks. I have had no success with getting the food out of a glass pan, and I refuse to use them. I'm going to go with what I know is certain success, and for me, certain success is baking in metal. Now, if you have success baking in glass, well, of course, continue baking in glass. But this is just an opportunity, I think, for frustration and another place for somebody who's learning to bake to say, see, I told you I can't bake and to never go back in the kitchen. Well, we can avoid that. The secret to baking a brownie is to remove it from the oven when it is almost done. The swami part is knowing when that is. And unfortunately, just like a central planner cannot know all things for all people, I cannot know how long you should bake your brownies. The best tip I have is when the batter starts to just pull away from the side of the pan, pull the pan out of the oven. Volume of the pan and the uh, ver and even the particular recipe of the of the brownies, varying oven temperatures and altitudes, all well, all of that precludes any certainty to the exact number of minutes. It is worth mentioning if you miss by a minute and the brownies are just a bit more cake-like than you want. This is not an indictment on your character, and it is not a reflection of your baking skills. Of all of the things that are wrong in the world, baking brownies an extra minute is not an issue. A little bit of a ganache spread on top, or some cream cheese icing, or some ice cream, or all three, uh, some berries, and no one's really going to care or know. This is not an audition for Master Chef. You are not trying to please Gordon Ramsay. You are making something nice for the people you love, and that is a win. But wait! There's more! A blondie. A blondie is a brownie without the brown. No chocolate or molasses, sort of. Brown sugar and a whole bunch is one of the main ingredients in the blondie, and blondies are very, very sweet. Now, I like sugar. <laughs> I was going to make an off-color joke about injectables, but I like sugar. I don't even want that much of a blondie, but they are very good. And they are, to me, they are sweeter than a brownie. Uh, for me, a brownie, with the exception of the ganache garnish inside, brownies gain nothing from more stuff inside. As your baking and kitchen skills improve, you're going to need kitchenware that helps you succeed. The grocery store pans and tools just won't cut it. Visit my affiliate, Kerry Keys Bakery Supply, at culinarylibertarian.com slash bakedeco to find a wide variety of baking and cooking tools. 
from spoons and whisks to pans and larger tools or equipment, culinarylibertarian.com slash bakedeco has everything you need for your kitchen success. culinarylibertarian.com slash bakedeco, B-A-K-E-D-E-C-O. Now let's get back into the show. Blondies, however, I find uh, a perfect vehicle for stuff inside. Uh, so crunchy bits, uh, pecan praline, candy walnuts, butterscotch chips, toffee chips, white chocolate chips. Um, you can even get crazier than that. Uh, I prefer brownies, like I said, crunch-free, but a blondie. Some nice stuff. You could even put chocolate chips on top just for visual contrast and a flavor uh, a flavor contrast. Uh, I, I think um, blondies are more of a tubula rasa where a brownie is hands-off. It's, it's bare minimum and leave it at that. Uh, I'm working on a blondie recipe that's not quite ready yet, but I will put it up on the blog when it is ready. But wait, there's more. The more is... Notwithstanding my own preferences, brownies could take add-ins if you want that. Uh, so you could add M&Ms, peanuts, pecans, hazelnuts, walnuts, coconut, chocolate chips, chocolate chunks. You could ice them. You could ganache them. You could cream cheese them. You could chocolate frosting them. You could coconut sprinkle them. You could even put uh, buttercream icing and chocolate jimmies on top. But we already know how I feel about it. I do like, as a flavor addition, a mint. A little bit of mint extract into the ganache discs so that every bite isn't minty. Now, I, I would not personally mind that, but uh, I know that mint isn't everyone's favorite, and sometimes too much is, well, too much. So uh, a, a little bit of a hint would be a good thing. A few words about brownie mixing. Now, I've done uh, a couple of experiments with mixing, and I've read a bunch of different recipes, and, and, and there's just so many different procedures. There's just so many different nuanced changes in mixing. So the basics are melt the butter and the chocolate in a bowl over a double boiler. Add to that the eggs, mix until they're incorporated, uh, and the egg yolk is going to pull all of that stuff together. Add the sugar, mix until all that's pulled together, and it's going to be a nice, kind of shiny, fairly thick um, emulsion. And then uh, add that on, uh, add the flour onto that. Where lots of changes happen uh, is. Some recipes had the eggs and the sugar being whipped in a stand mixer until they turned light yellow. Uh, some recipes had the sugar and butter being melted almost to the point that it's boiling. And then you add that to the melted chocolate. Then you have to let that cool long enough uh, so that the eggs don't cook because that chocolate sugar mixture is too hot. There's there's just there's there's many many ways nuance and alterations can be had can be can be can be made in in the brownie procedure and I'm not entirely convinced 
the extra effort makes the brownie noticeably better. Where I think the uh, attention to procedure really benefits both time and the finished product is of in, in my recipe following uh, following just the, the basics the, the the bare minimum basics and I don't I have not found that all of these additions in in machinations of of, of mixing and doing this and whisking that and beating this I just <laughs> I don't. I, I don't think you get out of it what you put into it. I don't think the reward is there. The payoff is is almost the same as before, and that doesn't make sense to me. So, uh, for for our for for this brownie recipe, the easy thing to do, and the thing that I taught my kid to do, and this is one of the reasons I like this recipe, is because it's an easy thing to do for someone who's learning how to work in the kitchen. Uh, extra steps just make frustration, and frustration doesn't lead to culinary success. Now, I would, I had told all of my cooks in all of the years I was in charge of cooks, when frustration sets in, your love for the thing that you're doing, whatever the thing is, making a sauce, making a brownie, mixing bread, if you're not liking what you're doing, that is going to come through in your hands and affect the finished product. I'm sure I'm right about that because I saw lots of people succeed and fail entirely based on their mindset and the love in their heart. So making success harder by adding more steps just doesn't make sense to me. If it works out for you and you do it, I, I'm not in a position to complain because success certainly is what we're after. Um, and I can't argue against success, but making it easier is certainly the smart way to start. So uh, the recipe will be there on the blog, culinarylibertarian.com slash 23. Um, if you are mathematically inclined, uh, because it's based on eggs, all of that, if you want to increase or decrease the quantity of ingredients, it's possible. Um, send me send me an email and we'll go through it. I've actually done some of this already and I can just send you the, um, send you the math for it. But the recipe that's there will make a decent portion. Uh, I think we used to get about 8 to 10 uh, of the individual brownies, which... <laughs> it's enough for me. I don't know what you're going to have. Um, so let's start with that. Um, a nice, simple brownie recipe. If you are of the experimental kind, play around a little bit. See what you can do. Send me an email. Tell me what happened. Let's see some pictures. Um, but let's start with the basics. And the basics are a really delicious brownie pulled out of the oven at just done or a little bit before because no one's going to complain too much about a fudgy delicious brownie and you've, you've got an easy dessert and you, if you make more, go make some friends. All right, folks, that's going to do it. Teaching your kids how to cook or bake teaches them more than just how to make that thing. It teaches organization, measuring, following directions, and order of operations, and maybe most importantly, patience. My daughter knows that before we do anything in the kitchen, clean the counter, wash your hands, and read the recipe.
twice. You can give your kids the tools they need to succeed in the kitchen as well as a way to start their own cookbook with my affiliate Kidster. Kidster is a monthly subscription which ships new tools and recipes to your children each month. With the monthly hands-on kit, kids get to build their own cookbooks, try new foods, and learn about where food comes from while gaining important skills in the kitchen. Click over to culinarylibertarian.com slash kids and build food memories. culinarylibertarian.com slash kids.